Hello, I'm Bishop Jeff Clements of the Northern Illinois Synod. And today is another in our continuing series of conversations with the bishop. And I get to welcome an awfully good friend of mine, Pastor Kurt Nordby. I'm going to tell them just a little bit about you, Kurt, before we begin. And that is that you're a graduate of Northwestern Lutheran Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. You were also awarded a BA, a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, from St. Cloud State University in St. Cloud, Minnesota. So you're mm-hmm. a Minnesota native, aren't you? And you've had some interesting calls in your life. You uh, began your ministry at Twig, Minnesota. I know where Twig is. Do you know where Twig is? I don't know why anyone should really know. (laughs) Okay, so now I need to apologize to the people of Twig, Minnesota, don't I? But you serve Bethlehem Lutheran Church there, St. Anscar's Lutheran Church. Wonderful place. Twig? Mm -hmm. How about Cannon Falls? Cannon Falls is wonderful, too. I've been there. I've never been to Twig, Mm -hmm. but I have been to Cannon Falls. All Saints Lutheran Church in Davenport. And then you came on to the Southeastern Iowa Synod staff, as I recall. And uh, you were also serving as executive director of the Illawell Lutheran Coalition at the same time, right? right? That was Mm -hmm. a joint call. Mm -hmm. Um, And then was after that that you came to the Northern Illinois Synod and served as our director for Evangelical Mission. The first one. The first one. Yeah. So um, I think I was trying to remember when I first met you, and I think it was what, you were doing stewardship work in southeastern Iowa, mm-hmm. and I was stewardship specialist in northern Illinois. And, of course, you had an office in the same building as, um, as we did down on the uh, – campus of Augustana College and somehow through that I, I just don't remember I don't remember when I first met you but it's been a great friendship ever since then it has I really appreciate you being here today my pleasure you know I, I was thinking about stewardship and, and life has changed boy they life has changed in the past well let me think I started the stewardship work oh somewhere around 2006 maybe and uh, stewardship then is, uh, was different than it is now. And the past two years, I think, has uh, brought some new challenges that we really never anticipated. So today I'd like to pick your brain just a little mm-hmm. bit about, uh, about stewardship. Um, when you think about uh, the word stewardship, some people automatically get uh, really nervous because they think, uh-oh, here it comes, the pitch for money. And uh, they make some assumptions that uh, either the budget's in trouble or, or they need a pledge or something like that. So stewardship is sometimes given a pretty bad connotation in places. In stewardship sermons, I used to always say, I used to quote, um, and I, I trace this back to Clarence Stoughton, and I've seen it attributed to different people. But uh, stewardship is everything you do once you say, I believe. Um, I don't know if you ever used that in a sermon, uh, but I certainly used it a lot because stewardship is so much bigger than money. Mm-hmm. So what do you say? What is stewardship all about? Stewardship is about life. It's about life. And it's about our life in the midst of God's grace. It's all about who we are as God's people. Yeah, money is a part of it, a portion. But stewardship is all about, all about who we are, what we do, how we see the world, how we function in the world, how we relate to one another as people, how we work within the context of the world, Mm -hmm. being God's people. 
wherever we are. That's what stewardship is about. And you're right, so many times uh, in conversations that I've had with people about stewardship, it's always been money. Right. And unfortunately, um, you know, we, we have in the church, because of one reason or another, have always equated stewardship mostly with money because it comes pledge time in the fall and, right. that's, and that's when the word stewardship is uttered <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> at that right. point. And, and really one of the things that I tried to do in, in the work that I did was to encourage folks in the congregations to understand that stewardship goes well beyond just what we put in the offering plate on a Sunday morning, but it is who they are. And when we're talking about even just a simple task in the church or a ministry or something in the community, to talk about it in terms of stewardship because you are using those wonderful gifts that God has given you for that particular thing. Right. So, now I was thinking back, um, a friend of yours wrote a book quite a few years ago, Eugene Grimm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, good friend, it, good friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was about generosity. Right. And then you gifted the Northern Illinois Synod and the, really the whole church with two specific stewardship programs, appeals, I don't know what we call them. Um, and I believe generosity was a big part of that. How do, you, how do we teach generosity? I think uh, the main thing in talking to folks about generosity is, is helping them understand that generosity is all about what's in the heart. Um, it's how we express this incredible gratitude for God's grace and helping folks to understand that it's that grace in which they live every day. And as we become more acquainted, as we become more aware, as we bring that understanding of grace into our lives, the whole idea of gratitude translates then into generosity because it's out of that graceful gratitude that a generous heart emerges and grows. And so the gifts that are shared we encourage people to, to, to think about the gifts that they share in response to God's grace. And not just giving to a specific mm. thing, which we do on occasion. Right. I, mean, I do that Absolutely. too. But even in that occasional specific type of giving action, really at the heart of that is God's grace and our gratitude and the generosity that follows. So I think it's helping people to grow that faithful heart and um, really understanding what is at the very center of who we are, and that's mm. God's grace, and that everything then flows from that. And generosity is one of the ways that we express that grace in our lives. So can I ask you a personal question? Mm-hmm. How did you learn? How did you learn generosity? Um, I learned generosity is, is very interesting. And it's, this was like the second week at Bethlehem in Twig. And it was Sunday morning. And I looked at Ann. We were standing in the kitchen. 
with the bright yellow cabinets and the green carpet. And Anne is your wife. <laughs> and Anne is my wife. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we were standing in the kitchen. And I said, just said to her, I said, so what should we put in the offering plate? This is probably the second week yeah. in the call. And she looked at me and she said, so you're going to talk about tithing, right? And I said, yes. She says, don't you think we should do the same? And we <laughs> never looked back. We never looked back. And uh, at, at the start, it was a discipline. That was a spiritual discipline at that point. But it was amazing. It was just as it grew and became a part of life, it was just a part of then who I was. Yeah. And, and that led to the whole exponential growth in generosity yeah. because that opened up a whole new world for me in terms of giving. You know, I asked that question because, um, <laughs> and it's so funny, um, my story of learning how to be generous is so similar. It was in my first parish. Nathan, our son, was born two weeks after we began. I got my first paycheck at the same time as he was born. And I said to Paulette, what are we going to give to the church? So this is a story that will probably get cut off anyway. But um, I, when we were seniors in, uh, in uh, um, seminary, a bishop came and talked to us and talked about the benefits and blessings of tithing. And so Paulette and I committed ourselves to tithing that moment. We went home that night. We were committed to tithing. Well, between us, we had no income, right? And when you've got no income, 10% of nothing is nothing. Mm -hmm. So it was easy to be a tither. So I get my first paycheck <laughs> and I asked her, what are we going to give? Because I will admit, I was scared to death. On the way to my first call, we had had to purchase a whole bunch of stuff, and we had to buy a whole bunch of baby stuff, and that first paycheck was pretty much spent by the time I actually went to the bank. And Paulette, I remember the she was in the hospital. I truly, this was just after the baby was born. Paulette gives me the look that, that I came, I have come to know and appreciate. It's that look that, Jeff, just how dumb can you be? She says, we're tithers. We're given 10%. It was because of her, you know, and all of the stories of generosity that I'd heard prior to that. But I, I was scared. And so she said, no. And we didn't, we didn't tithe in a legalistic way. Um, and that 10%, because we didn't have that much, that 10% was divided between the congregation and other places that we thought were important to share with. Um, and we were, we, we've been able to continue that and go far beyond that. Um, it kind of, it surprises me just how much we can do now, because we're in a different position in life than we were 39 mm -hmm. years ago. But yeah, I learned a lot from my wife. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, what, what you're saying sparked another thought that I had about generosity. And that is, you know, oftentimes when we talk about generosity, we say, that was really a generous gift. And it's predicated on the amount of the gift. Yeah. Oftentimes, 
you know, a generous gift is one of those huge gifts that someone might give. But generosity, when it's really of the, of the heart, right. that gift might be a small gift. That's when we talk about the widow's might. That's exactly yeah. right, because that was a gift of generosity. It wasn't much in terms of amount. Right. But it was a gift of generosity. And that is really, for me, I often use that. You know, that's the definition of what a generous heart is. It's not the size of the gift, but what comes from the heart. It's how that gift is given. When I was a kid, when, when the pastor introduced the offering, to hand out the offering plates to the ushers, he was, it would say something like, it's time to receive our tithes and offerings. And I never made a distinction when I was a kid, and probably quite a few years in the ministry, but then I figured out their tithes, their offerings, and their alms mm-hmm. with different purposes. And once I understood that and was able to categorize, that actually helped me in my, uh, my understanding and in my giving. Mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's part of, you know, You asked, you know, what, what can we do to help folks understand their giving? Yeah. And I think that's kind of a, a, a good way to go about that, that um, just talking with folks and talking very naturally about what it means not only to give of the monetary resources that you have, which we kind of center on when yeah, we talk about yeah. giving, but also talk about, you know, how a person might, share these wonderful gifts that God has given to them. You know, if they have a, a wonderful voice or, or this incredible gift of teaching or relating to people of how that might be used, not only within the congregation, but also in ministry in the community. So many people don't want to do that because they think they're boasting somehow. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I just told a couple of stories, and hopefully it won't be too embarrassing to my wife, but... Um, <laughs> That was, it's a natural conversation amongst a couple of friends. Mm-hmm. Why do you suppose that doesn't take place more often? Or why doesn't it take place in, in the context of a congregation where a conversation like that should be safe? I think it's because people, when you start talking about giving or the sharing of gifts, um, some barriers go up, you know? Uh, number one, I don't know if you should be talking to me about money. That's a really private, personal issue. Um, I can't tell you the conversations I've had with folks where in the midst of that conversation it might be, well, you know, what I give is between me and God. Right. Right. Yeah, well, okay. But <laughs> but be thinking about that, you know, about what that means. And what, what those gifts do. Um, but just to simply, I think, you know, uh, uh, the leaders in the congregation, not just the pastor, but leaders in the congregation can model that openness and talking about their own sense of giving and service yeah. and helping the congregation to understand that, yes, you know, these are wonderful things that we as a congregation can do and and really, you know, that helps the congregation then become a model in the community, right. which I think we have a wonderful opportunity to do. 
in, in these pandemic times, we have a great opportunity yeah, let's to, talk model, about these to model that, times. to model that, you know, to be, to be a leader and not to succumb to, you know, all of what's happening within society in terms of divisions yeah. and so forth. But we have that incredible opportunity. And Bishop, this is stewardship. Number one, it's how do we relate to people who might disagree with us? And in those conversations of disagreement, how is it that we can find some common ground that supersedes all of the ideology or whatever that might permeate those conversations and understand our conversations in terms of, of God's grace and how we are to be graceful people in the world. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the gospel proclamation is, is about that grace, but it's also about the responsible living in that grace. And it's very Lutheran for us to understand that we are called to love and care for our neighbors. Right. And what does that mean? And I think a good discussion that a congregation can have in these pandemic times, which is a discussion of stewardship, is what is it that God is calling us to do? How is God calling us to be a loving and caring neighbor to that person who lives next door to me, who might have a different understanding of the situation than I do? How can we be loving and caring neighbors and not at each other and making situations worse? I think as a church, and I'm talking about the church, we have a unique opportunity right now to model what that means and what it means to be graceful people in the time of extreme consternation, shall I use that word? Sure. Yeah. And what it means to, to help folks to live within that and to, to talk in a graceful way with one another and come to a way of being in life that can move us forward and understand our neighbor and to love and care for our neighbor and to do those things that God is calling us to do as God's people in this world. I think those are discussions that need to be had in congregations. I know they're taking place, but continually uh, at church council meetings, I think constantly. How do we do this as leaders in the congregation? How do we model this behavior for It is harder today, folks? though. Oh, it's absolutely harder. Than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. the situation is more difficult today. Um, and I see that as because the, the ideological, ideological tensions are much, much more prominent today. You know, and what I see, small conflicts in congregations that used to be smoothed over um, pretty easily, small conflicts are being becoming bigger mm-hmm. conflicts mm-hmm. because of the inability of uh, people to talk t- uh, together and disagree right. in right. a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that, that's an interesting thing. How would it be if if folks could agree to disagree yeah. and move on to a different plane of understanding at that point? Yeah, it might be interesting. I remember saying uh, in a council meeting once that um, you and I do not have to agree 
but I do want to understand mm -hmm. where you're coming from or what your point of view is. Right. Um, and that's part of building relationships, mm -hmm. too. And, and what is the church if it's not built on relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus, mm -hmm. and our relationship to those who call a congregation the same mm -hmm. home as we do. Right. And that whole understanding of building relationships relationships is stewardship. Uh, it's plain and simple. That's that's really kind of the basis level of what stewardship is. It's building and, and living within those relationships with one another in relationship with God. Yeah. I want to ask you about... Um, stewardship as a spiritual practice or a, a spiritual discipline. Um, we've talked about in our lives that uh, we've been blessed in um, the ways that we've been able to be generous. Uh, I was blessed in being able to teach people about stewardship for a few years in this synod. I know that you have been too. Um, I think a lot of people still just don't get it. Mm -hmm. um, you want to talk about stewardship as a spiritual practice? Yeah, in terms of of what it means to be a person of God, uh, the spiritual practices are really, really for us the manifestation of what that life is about and how we go about living our life. And you know, we talk about prayer. We talk about. Um, you know, study and all those different things that we call right. spiritual disciplines or practices of faith. Right. And and giving is one of those. And again, that whole understanding of of giving or stewardship as a discipleship practice or, or spiritual discipline is so important because again for me as I understand stewardship, it encompasses all of who I am. All of who I, I cannot compartmentalize my giving and understanding of stewardship over here and separate it from another piece of life over here because everything about life for me is about stewardship. From how I relate to people I don't even know to what I put in the offering plate on Sunday mm -hmm. morning. You know, it's all stewardship. And, and so how you how you interact with the environment. Everything. Everything. Caring for all that God has given to us, all of these wonderful yeah. gifts of the environment, of of caring for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, making sure that I'm healthy and doing what I can to be healthy and doing what I can to encourage my neighbors to be healthy. And to be safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's a word that has come about now within the pandemic times. Is I encourage you know when I greet people and I talk to them, I say when we end, I said be healthy and be safe. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and I mean that because that's a part of their stewardship too, but it's also part of my spiritual discipline of stewardship and giving to remind people of that and to encourage them to do that. Um, and so within the context of a congregation and teaching, again, I think it, it still revolves around getting back to the, the basic understanding that stewardship is about life. It's not just about 
what you might put in the offering envelope and place in the plate on Sunday morning. But stewardship is all about life and helping folks as they walk in this wonderful life of faith and this gift of grace that God has given to them to be able to understand and to incorporate into their heart you know what it means to be a child of God and for us as a as a, as a church that's the constant call is to help people to grow in that understanding of faith and what it means to, to walk in that faith every day and so all of the other spiritual disciplines they they fall right into that as well as a part of that and so I see it as one big nice package tied up with a bow and um, you know, it's simply how we go about helping folks understand what it means to live within that grace. So on a scale of optimism, um, Pastor Nordby, you are usually pretty high. You're pretty optimistic uh, about pretty much a lot, yes. <laughs> And I, I always thought that I, I always thought I was an optimistic person until I met you, and then I, I just got blown off the scale because. So we've got we've got congregations today that are quite worried. People aren't feeling real optimistic about the future, mm -hmm. uh, or the future of the church. Um, do you have any words of wisdom for those congregations today about why we maybe shouldn't be as worried as we are? We have this wonderful hope in Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we can get tied up in knots about all sorts of things, but we have this marvelous promise of hope. And as you, you live in that hope and know that it's there. Yeah. I mean, that's the promise of the gospel. Yeah. It's there. That even moving through through this time, and I, I want to be very candid. Um, when this virus first appeared, I was very concerned about where it might go because it was pretty scary right. at that point. Uh, today, with the Omicron variant and such, um, and the Delta still creating some havoc, uh, it's still a, a big concern. But for people of faith, we do have this, this wonderful hope that we can grasp onto. Yeah. And in the conversations and things that we do, the, the, the hope can be that, that anchor, that even if it's turbulent, even if we might seem that we're kind of going off the rails yeah. in terms of conversations and the way things are going, um, again, we have this, this wonderful thing that we can go back to and say, wait a minute, you know, we have this incredible, incredible grace and, and yeah. hope and promise that we have in Jesus Christ. And let's live in that and try and deal with these fears and concerns and conflicts with that as the way we do it. You know, one of the troubling things to me is that during the pandemic, we haven't been singing as much. You know, for a, a while, we weren't singing at all in mm -hmm. church. Well, we weren't in church. And then when Kim came back, we weren't singing. And now we're singing muffled through, through masks. But 
The problem is that we, we aren't reinforcing what we believe through music. Because I'm thinking, as you're talking about what our hope is built on, I'm singing in my head, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I was just thinking that same thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> but we ha I haven't sung it for a while. I need, I need to go home and sing. The other thing, um, in talking about hope, and I, I believe, I believe what you said, our hope is built on Jesus. Um, my predecessor, Gary Wallersheim, <laughs> at one time my boss and your boss, mm -hmm always said, and in the toughest times, he would say, remember always that this is God's church. Right. And it is. Yeah. This is God's church. And the church is changing and things are happening that we may not mm -hmm. fully understand right now. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what? I think I'm okay with that because my hope is built on Jesus and God is in charge. You don't know how many times that I went to situations or thought about situations and would get maybe a little frustrated because I wasn't doing enough to maybe help the situation. But I would always come back to what Bishop Wallershine said, that this is God's church. Yep. It's not just mine, but this is God's church. <laughs> I'm a part of that church, but it's God's church. Well, we'll have yeah, to so. make sure he knows at least two people we're listening <laughs> <That's> to. <right. laughs> so, anything you want to say about stewardship that we haven't talked about? It's, it's kind of a reiteration, I guess, is to, to encourage congregations to be open and free in talking about what stewardship is about. And even if talking about money. But to talk about um, this wonderful gift of life that God has given to us. About the wonderful gift of being able to serve with the many gifts and talents that God has given yeah. to us. And what a, what a pleasure that is. And talk about what we get to do. You know, that these things aren't ours. Our money isn't ours. Our gifts aren't ours. They're God's. And it's, it's not what the church is trying to, to enable us to, to give, you know, that we think might be ours. But to understand that all that we have and all that who we are are God's. And it's what we get to do. Yeah, it's what, it's we, what we get, get to do. It's what yeah. we get to do, and to think about stewardship in in the broadest sense as a way of life. And again, I just simply want to say to folks that stewardship is how you live each and every day, no matter where you are, whatever the context, whatever the situation, whatever the conflict, whatever the frustration, whatever the joy, it's how we live our life and that's stewardship and how we live in those times with this wonderful gift of grace of God at the forefront. Right. And I think, you know, to your previous question of how we can talk in congregations about that, if we put that first, that opens the door to further conversations about stewardship. And name it. When you're talking about asking folks to do something in a congregation, inviting them to, to 
be a teacher or to um, sing in the choir or to be an usher or to be a counter on Sunday morning or whatever, that's a ministry. That's a ministry. And that's part of stewardship. And, and simply to name those and, and use that phrase stewardship, that word, to identify all these things and not just related to money. Because if we do that, we're just reinforcing this whole fundraising type of thing that can get muddled in the church's understanding of stewardship. Right. And then, and then a congregation simply becomes another nonprofit. Yeah. You know? And we aren't. <laughs> That's right. We are not. Nope. We are not. We are not. We're about Jesus. We're about Christ. That's right. And God's grace. Thank you. It's not only good to see you today, my friend, but it's great to have this conversation with you. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate all that you have done for the church in the 45 years of ministry that you've uh, experienced. Also, um, I want to thank you for the gift that you've been to my life and thank you for um, uh, the words that you've shared about generosity today. And, as always, I look forward to see what God has got in store for you next. So, Indeed. Until next time, remember, I'm walking with you. God bless. God bless.